It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here with me today. And I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with us here at Success Profiles Radio. This is going to be an amazing show. I'll introduce my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. This is going to be fantastic. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Lately, I've been thinking about the ideas of success and failure. And very often when we see people succeed, we think of them as being an overnight success. Actually, that couldn't be further from the truth. While we see people succeeding in the spotlight, what we don't see is all the hours of hard work that person put in first. For example, Michael Jordan is considered by many to be the best basketball player of all time. He was cut from his high school basketball team at one point. Colonel Sanders didn't achieve his fortune until he retired after working for someone else's whole life. When he realized how small his retirement check was each month, he knew something had to change. He tried to license his chicken recipe to hundreds of restaurants before finally someone said yes, and the rest is history. Thomas Edison failed 10,000 times in his attempt to invent the light bulb. What I love about this is he never considered those attempts to be failures. He said he found 10,000 ways that it didn't work. You may not have to fail that many times before you achieve something, but you should also expect that you may not succeed the first time you do something either. Anything worth having comes with a lot of effort, and if you really want to excel at something, you might have to be really bad about it at first. And if something doesn't work out, just look for another way to do it. If you don't give up, you will eventually get to where you want to go. With all that in mind, I want to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Dr. Dennis Waitley. Let me tell you about him. Dennis Waitley is one of America's most respected authors, keynote lecturers, and productivity consultants on high-performance human achievement. He has inspired, informed, challenged, and entertained audiences for over 30 years, from the boardrooms of multinational corporations to the control rooms of the NASA space program, from the locker rooms of world-class athletes to the meeting rooms of thousands throughout the world. He was voted Best Speaker of the Year by the Sales and Marketing Executives Association and by Toastmasters International, and has been inducted into the International Speakers Hall of Fame. With over 10 million audio programs sold in 14 languages, he's the most listened to voice on personal and career success, and he's the author of 14 books, including, among others, Seeds of Greatness, The Winner's Edge, Empires of the Mind, and his audio album, The Psychology of Winning, is the all-time best-selling program on self-mastery. He's one of the stars of The Secret, and he's also in the new movie called How Thoughts Become Things. Here we are with my very special guest, Dennis Waitley. Dennis, how are you today? I'm great, Brian. I'm here in my little ranch uh, near San Diego County, and uh, naturally I'm self-quarantined, but I'm in good shape, and and uh, springtime is here, and I'm optimistic. That's fantastic. So I usually ask people about their backgrounds at first, but I'd like to ask it a little bit differently. Did you envision earlier in your life that you would be where you are right now? No, but I always felt a little different. And I was raised during radio. We had no TV at all. So 
You have to remember that I'm a senior who was raised with no TV until I was a senior in high school. So I'm audible oriented and I read a lot of books. So I thought that I would either be Rod Serling, a screenwriter, or I'd be an author. But I I didn't picture myself till I was maybe 12 years old standing in front of an audience. So I began to talk a lot when I was little and found that talking and writing were the things I love to do most. Yeah. Did did it take you a while to find your your success? It took me forever because, uh, remember, World War II was when I was a boy. The Korean War was when I was a senior in high school. So instead of going to a liberal arts college, I went to the Naval Academy Mm -hmm. and became a nuclear weapons carrier-based attack pilot. Wow. Which is the furthest thing you can get from being an author and a speaker on high performance. Yeah, absolutely. So how did your personal development journey start? It started mainly with my grandmother telling me that seeds of greatness are what you plant in the garden. So we had a victory garden during World War II. And I never forgot that she told me that whatever you put in the soil and nurture will come up. And weeds will come up without watering, and they'll come in every day. But you have to focus on the flowers and the vegetables and not on the weeds. And as time went on, I began to study the prisoners of war coming back from Vietnam. Uh, And I found that no American prisoner ever escaped from a minimum security camp, but many escaped from a maximum security camp. And so I did a doctoral thesis on prisoners of war and came up with the idea that POW is a perception. Prisoner of war, Prince of Wales, power of women, putting on weight, prisoner of work, prisoner of wishes, or psychology of winning. So I decided that I would take the prisoner of war situation of doing within when you're doing without, because I found that the POWs had several years in solitary confinement to nothing with nothing to do but think. So what did they think about when they were alone in a cell with no sunlight and no talking? Most of them thought about where they wanted to be, where they were going, where they wanted to go, rather than where they were or where they were coming from. So I found that the visualization of a POW is very much the same as the visualization of a pilot, of an astronaut, and an Olympian. So I managed to find my way to The Psychology of Winning, which was the second audio album uh, ever published by a guy who talks. Earl Nightingale was the first. And The Psychology of Winning came out in 1978, and it really did launch my career. So I actually backed into the speaking business Mm. through audio. And then it was turned into a book. And I really am a product of Nightingale Conan and direct marketing because I don't think I ever would have been known have they not built a mailing list around an audio album that was about winning? Yeah, I love that. I do have the book, by the way. It's been a while since I've read it, but I do remember reading it and thinking, wow, this this seems simple, but it's is it? I mean, it, it seems like you have to be very disciplined. Obviously, great champions are, but it, it's all about the mind. And I mean, you've trained Olympians. You've trained NASA astronauts. What was that journey like for you? It was incredible, Brian. In fact, I learned more from each experience than I ever gave them. For example, 
I learned from prisoners of war that you do within while you're doing without. So I watched uh, the, the reruns and I talked to them about the fact they played golf in their mind. Mm. They recreated passages from the scriptures. They used their mind as their motion picture studio and their motion picture theater for all the time they were there. Jumping then into the Apollo program, I found that practice makes permanent and that you learn to reflex after a year or two of pretending. And I began to think, wait a minute, if you're pretending, you're practicing. And if you're practicing, you're repeating. Yeah. And if you're repeating, you're internalizing and therefore we're creations of habit. So I became chairman of psychology for the United States Olympics in 1980. And I went to Lake Placid for the miracle on ice when Herb Brooks told the team, even though the Russians beat you 10 to 2 in Madison Square Gardens uh, less than a month ago, mm -hmm. you're my gold medal winners. You're young. You're a team. You'll outskate them. They're overconfident. Give me seven, 70 minutes of your life and you'll win the gold. And they were young. They weren't uh, recruited by the National Hockey League. And the miracle on ice was a bunch of young guys who believed in their dream, yeah. although that's really what they had to hang on to. So what really happened, Brian, is I, I've become a student of habit and internalization and now brain wiring. Yeah. I finally have learned that all this positive thinking stuff really has to do with the way the brain operates and the way the brain can be trained habitually to do what you want instead of doing what you don't want. Yeah. And I do remember reading in that book, you talked about how people will replay their routines in their mind. And it's almost as good as physically practicing. I know Jack Nicholas always used to very famously say that he always visualized his shot before he took it. And that's why he was so great. Do you think that during this pandemic that we're going through now and sports being shut down at the moment that we're doing this, do you think that those athletes who are visualizing their routines and repeating them in their minds are going to be the ones who are going to be far ahead when the sports finally resumes again? I really do. Uh, I, I really think that when you pre-play and replay, your, your brain can't distinguish between virtual and reality. If you have emotion and repetition behind your thoughts, they're stored in your brain as if they're your truth. And so that's why people's beliefs are so strong. So I've been doing a lot of blogs and webinars on optimism as the biology of hope because thoughts not only become things, which is to say that every invention has been by a man or woman who had an idea or an image and they followed through and got specific on the image and they internalized it till it became something as we said, thoughts become things. But the most incredible thing about what you're talking about is that we have the greatest pharmacy in the world in our brain. Yes. And whatever we're thinking about, the brain releases that psychopharmacology, the hormones and the dopamine and the adrenaline and the endorphins, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have to be careful what you dwell on because your expectation becomes the thing that your brain leads you toward. Whatever you expect to happen, the brain tries to manifest that through biochemicals and through uh, images and, and emotions. And it's incredible to me yeah. uh, why so many people are stunned with fear and panic yeah. when they should be at the top of their game in the worst of times. In other words, 
when the pressure's on, that's when you really need to be clear, focused, relaxed, and if you will, optimistic about the outcome because the brain is taking you in that direction and you can't concentrate on not being sick. You can't concentrate on not being late. You can't concentrate on the reverse of an idea. The brain takes you in the direction of your dominant thoughts. If I've learned anything, I've learned that habits are submarines. They're silent and deep and they're not broken. They're replaced by overlaying new habits in your brain over the old ones. Fantastic. And we are coming up against our first break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We are with Dr. Dennis Whaley. We'll be right back on the other side. Be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Dennis Whaley, the author of many, many books, including one of my favorites, The Psychology of Winning. And he is a cast member in the new movie, How Thoughts Become Things. And we will talk about that shortly. I do want to ask, though, Dennis, how do we overcome limiting beliefs? The best way to overcome limiting beliefs is to... Uh, is to take that belief and reverse it. You know, people talk about affirmations, but I talk about confirming beliefs. With the Olympians, we would use self-statements, and we would give them the reverse of what their problem was. In other words, we take what they were doing wrong, flip it to the, the, the positive side of that, and then we'd have them repeat using what we call visual motor behavioral rehearsal. And if you put yourself in the picture, for example, I'll give you an example. Lindsay Vaughn, when she goes to ski down a mountain, in her room, she has a platform that that goes up and down like skis would. And what she does is skis in her room, in her mind, and she feels the weight. So it feels like she's skiing. And she visualizes every flag, every gate, and being inside the gate, coming down in record time. Mm -hmm. Michael Phelps does the same thing by doing the swim in advance. He's been doing that since he's seven years old. You talk to Andre Agassi, and he has a a 40-minute shower before every match, and he plays the match in the shower. So to overcome a limiting belief, you have to realize that most limitations are psychological 
and limits are physical or based on age. You know, they're based on where we are right now. For example, I won't be an Olympian and I won't be president and I won't be many things, but there are still a lot of things I can do. So what I need to do is look at my talents, look at my interests, look at my values and remove the thermometer from my life Mm -hmm. and create a thermostat that I set higher above my comfort zone. And if I set my beliefs higher, my automatic brain will come on and put the heater on instead of the air conditioner. So instead of cooling me down, it'll heat me up. So the best thing to do is to replace a negative statement with a positive outcome as if it were happening now and internalize that emotionally through repetition until it overrides the old software program. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's talk about the movie, How Thoughts Become Things. What is this movie about for those who haven't heard of it yet? I think the movie takes the law of attraction a little deeper and maybe a little more specifically. You know, when some of us were in the movie The Secret that Rhonda Byrne created, uh, I guess nearly 14 years ago now. Yes. Uh, that was the most mystical shall we say, nirvana-oriented. It came out at a perfect time when people were searching for something else. And Dan Brown wrote the, uh, you know, he wrote the Da Vinci Code and Tom Hanks played in the movie. And this idea that when you throw a thought out, that it comes back to you depending on the attention. The problem is the universe usually works through human beings. So thoughts become things is a more specific follow-on to the secret telling you that when you think about something, obsess it, specify it, get to know it very well, talk about it, think about it, every day project it out, there will be someone somewhere who connects with that thought. Many people talk about vibrations and energy. I'm more of a pragmatist because I'm an ex-Navy pilot. So I believe in the science part of it. I believe in the unfailing boomerang that whatever you throw out, decisions, thoughts, energy, positive will come back to you as long as you're not always expecting something in return. In other words, you keep giving because you don't lose anything when you keep giving. You still have all your value. So if you give more in value than you receive in payment, the people will recognize that you're a bargain and they will seek you for the value you're projecting. So I really think that thoughts become things is the next step to taking the law of attraction and putting day-to-day action in it. The BMW is not going to drive up in your driveway when you think about it. It's going to come in your driveway when you give the dealership a value that's equal to what he needs payment for. So you always need to think of the value you're giving in everything you do, and therefore you'll be receiving something about parallel or equal to that. That's fantastic. How did this opportunity come to you? You know, I met Rhonda Byrne in Sydney, Australia, and when she was thinking about the secret, it was going to be a one-time TV, a TV show, one time only. But then because of time zones, they made a video and it sold like pancakes going out the door. I think the fact that I was a small, shall we say, cameo part in that and I didn't exploit it for my own benefit. I think Doug Vermeeren, 
uh, saw what my role was in that and thought that because we were doing something more specifically based on science as well as the mind, mm-hmm. that he thought that I might be included in, in the group, which has some original teachers and some new ones. But I'm very grateful because I think this is going to be a really great movie. Yeah, I, I saw his movie Opus, which mm-hmm. came out after The Secret. It was a great movie about the law of attraction. But I think this one is very, very creative. And I think he's really uh, someone capable. He is not only creative, but he's very proactive and he's got a very quick bright mind. So I'm very delighted to be part of it. Yeah. Doug Vermeer is amazing. He is definitely a friend of the show. And um, thanks to him, I got to interview a whole bunch of you. Uh, so it's going to be really fantastic. So how exactly do thoughts become things? Well, obviously thoughts come to us mostly in visual images. Uh, we're more susceptible to visual stimulation, although we're stimulated by all of our senses you know, touch, smell, taste, uh, visual, verbal, writing, action. But when you get images in your, in your brain, those images, the, the clearer they are, the more detailed they are, the more you're able to put a blueprint and you're able to put colors and shapes and sizes and amounts and numbers to them. The more clear that you are, the more the brain can focus in on that image and, and bring to you the other people in the world who have the skills that you don't. So I'm not a good organizer and I'm not a good manager of people. I tend to be Mr. Nice Guy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm good at creating and writing and, and maybe word pictures, maybe poetry and lyrics. But I know what my limitations are which are mostly psychological, but I'm not good with with spatial relations. I'm not good with color perception. So so what what thoughts become things means that take the aqualung. Jacques Cousteau broke both arms. He wanted to be an astronaut, but he broke both arms and couldn't be an astronaut. So he swam to get rehabilitated and saw a water spider with a bubble on her back taking air down to her little babies. And he had an epiphany. Jacques Cousteau said, why can't I put a bubble of air on my back? And why can't I become an aquanaut instead of an astronaut? Wow. The human brain is so incredible that it gets these ideas. And the more shape that they take, the more they become architecturally possible. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody who has the skill to to make the piece of furniture, to build the plane, to build the Tesla car, mm-hmm. to build things that we haven't even imagined yet. And that's why Einstein was right. At, imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge is limited to all we know. But imagination is unlimited to all we have yet to know and have yet to discover. And that's why this being able to imagine something in detail becomes a thing because it also becomes chemistry and also becomes a belief system that is really difficult. And when someone has a magnificent obsession, it's very difficult to shake them off that obsession. Anything we're obsessed with begins to take form or shape So what I always say is what the mind harbors, the body manifests in some way. 
And that's why everything that you think about becomes in some way a concrete, it, it turns from a cobweb into a cable yeah. and it turns in, into a submarine. And you know, the greatest thing about the Olympians is when they run the race in their mind, the same muscles fire in a slight way and creates a pathway in their brain like a freeway. So you actually create a neural freeway in your brain that enables you to repeat that performance. And if you don't fall in your mind, then you're likely not to fall on the ice or the playing field. And that's why practice makes permanent. Yes. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've got about three minutes to our next break. I want to ask you about the role of visualization in the creative process. I'm sure you could probably talk to us for hours about that, but give us a quick nutshell of that if you could. What's so incredible about that is the, the visual cortex is in the back of the brain. So it sits in the very back of the brain, and yet the eyes are only the camera. So the camera takes in all of the images that it sees and stores those images on the back of the brain, and they're stored there forever as a music video that we keep editing. Mm -hmm. If you're able to put yourself in the picture as if you are running, so the best way to explain it to people is pretend you're an Olympian and you're a skier, but the camera is, is placed on the front of your skis. So what you're looking at is your view of the downhill through your own eyes as if you're doing it. You're not a guest. You're not a spectator. You're in the movie. You're the character actor or you're, you're the, you're the, the key actor, the leading man and the leading woman in your own movie. And that's why great actors and actresses walk around and when they're memorizing the part, they're actually uh, doing it out loud. Not only does it internalize the images, you remember the words faster and you become transformational into the part. So visual motor behavior rehearsal is the secret success key of an athlete because you don't miss in your mind. You only miss when you do it on practice. And if you have more perfect performances in your mind, the brain will store that. And when you go to win, it'll be a reflex and everyone will say, oh, you're so spontaneous. You're so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And the athlete grins and says, yeah, I've done it 1,200 times. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've got a minute or so to our next break. We are here with Dr. Dennis Waitley, and we are talking about the movie How Thoughts Become Things and how it is compared to The Secret. I'm looking so forward to this. And we're going to talk about a lot more after the break. We're going to talk about... Uh, steps that we can take when we're facing challenging times like we are now, the importance of gratitude in the creative process, our attitudes toward money, which is very, very important, and there's so much more that we can explore as we continue through the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will come right back on the other side, and we are here with Dr. Dennis Whaley. Please stay with us. We will return. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Dennis Waitley. And if you've not picked up my most recent book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. It did hit number one on Amazon in several categories, and it is a compilation of some of the best interviews that have come from this show. And I'm so happy and grateful for everyone who has ever been on my show, and I'm particularly grateful for my current guest, Dr. Dennis Waitley, whose work I've been following for a very long time. So, Dennis, I would like to ask you how you set up your day for success because having a positive mindset is so important. Well, my day is is very much set up. So the first thing I do is uh, I get up early. I don't need an alarm. So if I did need an alarm, it would be music. So I get up maybe, let's say, 6.30, but instead of getting right out of bed, I lay in bed for 15 minutes and make sure that I know what I'm going to do with this great day that I've been given. Because when you're my age, every day is like Christmas because, you know, you don't know. And then I lay there and I say, okay, let's make something. Let's let's make someone happy today. I get out of bed and jump on the rebounder, which is a mini trampoline. Mm -hmm. And I get my lip lip, not my lymphatic system going. I flush out all the stuff. I get my heart rate going a little bit. And I do about 10, 15 minutes of exercise. Then I jump in the shower, get clean. Then I have a power breakfast. And I've already planned the day, the day before, and the week, the week before. So I just make sure that I, I, first I take my ABCs. Action now, B before tomorrow, and then C can wait. Mm -hmm. And I try to hit the, because I'm a morning person, I hit my high priorities first. And after the power breakfast, of course, where I'm getting my energy and all through the day, I'm always looking at my BAG in addition to my ABCs. My ABCs are action before the end of the day can wait. My BAG is my bag and it's my blessings, what I'm grateful for, my achievements, what keep me going 
and they give me courage when things aren't going well. I can rely on them and look back and replay. And then I keep focused on my goals. And I always say, is what I'm doing now taking me and my loved ones further toward our goals? Is this goal achieving or tension relieving? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I don't smell the roses. I do. The fragrances, the birds. I'm in the moment, but I don't live for the moment. I live in the moment, but not for the moment because I'm not impressed by anything I've done. It's only what I'm continuing to do that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with this current coronavirus pandemic going on, there's a lot of groupthink going on. We seem to be creatively and collectively creating our feelings about what's going on. So tell us about what you think the the practicality of how thoughts become things fits within the context of what we're going through right now. It really does. And, and for me, the way it works is this. I know that you move toward your currently dominant thought. I know that thoughts become things. They also become chemicals. I know that when I'm happy, I, I release endorphins, which are stronger than morphine. I know when I'm happy, I, re, I release dopamine. And dopamine keeps me energized and moving forward. Why would I want, during a very difficult time, to release the things that are bad for me. I wouldn't. So why wouldn't my thoughts be in the direction of where I want to be? Life, health, what do I do next? And of course, I, I have fear. But my fear is only a sentry. My fear puts me on the alert. So fear should alert you. But when you're in a stressful situation, that's when you need resiliency, calmness, energy, and clear thinking. And that's that's what I try to use this pandemic for. I step back from the canvas of my life and say, okay, what am I grateful for most? A lot. What have I been not doing enough of? Intimacy with my family. Looking at things that are more important and not as urgent. I've been giving up the important for the urgent. And I've been letting my texts and my tweets and my Instagrams and my virtual life replace the real life, which is the textures, the tastes, the smells, the touches, the things. So this is an excellent way for me to reorder my priorities. And the other thing I'm telling people to do, why not, why not use spring cleaning now? I've taken one room of my house and done something good to it during this time. I've been using it to read a lot more. Certainly, I've been reading inspirational books. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to inspirational music. I look at biographies now of of people who have overcome enormous obstacles to become successful. I also am looking at at more beautiful art. I'm going outside in my surroundings more. So I'm really into, shall we say, the thoughts become things feeling into my emotions and my feeling, then into my financial and my material goals. I'm getting more inside of me. So I'm looking inward instead of outward as much. Yeah. And using positive self-talk is so incredibly important because the things that we say to ourselves tend to come to fruition, right? Absolutely. You may not get what you want, but you're likely to get what you expect in the long run. And just remember, you can't come away from being late, overweight, uh, poor. You can't come away from something because the brain doesn't use adjectives. It uses dominant thoughts. So if you're a person that's overweight, and you say something like, boy, I sure need to lose a lot of weight. I just don't like the way I look. And your brain says, we know it. 
We sure do, don't we? Yeah, you're just reminding me of what we don't like about ourselves. And that's not a good way to, you should be your best coach and friend. You should be your best mentor. You know yourself better than anyone else does. And you're not fooling yourself at all. So an affirmation needs to be a confirmation and not just looking in the mirror and playing games. This is the real thing. You know, it's not a drill. This is the Super Bowl. And every day is the Super Bowl. So why not play it as if this is the, you know, this is the grand final. Right. Absolutely. And something else that I know you you like to talk about is the fact that we have to look at our problems and challenges as opportunities because those are here not to punish us, but to move us in a better direction. Right. Absolutely, Brian. And, you know, I know your show does that for people. And I know that you have everything you do leads them in that direction. And that's why it's very so important that, you know, a crisis. We know the Chinese have the two symbols. And the two symbols are opportunity riding on the dangerous wind. Mm -hmm. So a crisis causes us to be at our best and to think our way through it, which is why coral only lives on the ocean side of the reef, but not on the lagoon side. When you're in a lagoon, you're not challenged. You have no reason to be vibrant. But when you're on the least leeward side, the windward side, the wave side, when they're crashing up against you, you have a reason for living. And that's a very important distinction. Earl Nightingale told me that. He said the coral only lives on the dangerous side of the reef where it's challenged. Because if you're not challenged, you don't have as much reason to live. Yeah, absolutely. And gratitude, of course, is so important to the creative process. This is one of my favorite topics. We've got probably three or four minutes until our next break. Tell us how important gratitude has been in your journey. It's probably been the centerpiece and the keynote. There isn't a moment that goes by that I'm not grateful for what I've been given. My, my mother was negative her whole life. Mm-hmm. And she never probably said a positive thing, but I was always grateful for her giving me life that I brought her a rose on my birthday. And she said, oh, you're a silly boy. Why do you bring your mother a rose on your birthday? And I said, because I want to thank you for giving me the gift of life. Mm-hmm. She said, but I wasn't a very good mother. And I said, yes, you did the best you could with what you had. So everything I have, my eyes, my ears, my taste, my fingers, my legs, my children, my family, all the mistakes I've made. I've made every mistake you can make as a son, as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather and a great grandfather. But still in all, I'm so grateful for the gift of what I've been given. Look what we have living in the country, being free to be what I can be, being free to choose, free to win. I, I just I just love it. So I think and thank. I always thank and I make sure that I let people know how grateful I am for their part in my life. And I never forget who brought me to the dance and I never try to climb over anyone. I always believe in giving more in value than I receive in payment and making sure that people know how grateful I am for what I've been given. That's fantastic. We've got about a minute or two to our next break. I want to ask, do you think that when we take action on our ideas quickly, that we are rewarded with more ideas and better ideas later? Yes. I say that, I say that unequivocally. 
I, I don't believe in ready, fire, aim, and I don't believe in just jumping in and, and immediately just knee-jerk reacting to something, but I do know that a sense of nowness is extremely important. You know, perfection is procrastination because only the saints are perfect. And so we're, we don't have to be perfect. We just need to strive for uh, incremental excellence a little bit at a time. But boy, my mantra today, you can imagine, uh, I'm in my 80s. So I'm, I'm in my 80s and I'm more alive and alert and remembering and doing things. But I say, I think it, I see it, I do it. And instead of putting things on a to-do list and then mulling an, an analysis to paralysis, I take action and it's just incredible. I, I see a plant needs watering, I water it. Uh, you know, I'm on my way somewhere, but I stop when that thought comes in my mind. I take some kind of action, on it, even if I have to get up at night and write it down to do in the morning. Yeah. Because I think having a sense of nowness keeps us, you know, it's, it's the law of inertia. Energy in motion tends to stay in motion. And when you're stunned in your tracks, like the pandemic has caused us to be absolutely stunned. Mm -hmm. And here we are, we're self-isolated. But rather than stewing, we need to be doing within when we're doing without. And so I think, just as you say, the more action you take, the more you act on your thoughts, the more creative thoughts you will generate. It will yeah. percolate. Yeah. And I, I tend to think as we're coming to our next break, I tend to think that the whole biblical idea of being faithful with little means that you will then be trusted with much more. And I think that's a principle that's in play here. Does that sound reasonable? Very reasonable. And and actually it's, it's wisdom that's timeless and ageless and it wouldn't be around that long if it weren't true. Absolutely. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly the show is going. I am here with Dr. Dennis Waitley, and I'm so honored and privileged to have him here with us. And the movie is called How Thoughts Become Things. And one of my favorite uh, books is The Psychology of Winning, which he wrote a long time ago. Check that out. It has sold millions and millions of copies, and there's a very good reason for it. We'll come right back after the break to talk about more with Dr. Dennis Waitley. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back on the other side, and down the stretch we come. We'll be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. 
Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Dr. Dennis Waitley. We were talking about how thoughts become things. I did mention right before the break that his best-selling audio book and book was called The Psychology of Winning. And Dennis, you have an updated version of this that's coming up real soon. Is that right? I do. I think it's coming out in July. It'll be on Amazon and in the bookstore. So it's it's an audible as well as the book, and it's finally updated to to bring it into 2020 and 2021 because the brain, uh, we've learned a lot more about the brain since that original positive thinking concept, and I'm, I'm glad that neuroscience backs up the way you and I think. Good. I'm looking forward to that for sure, so definitely have that one on your list. So let me ask you about... Moving from scarcity to abundance because we all want abundance and it's not just financial abundance, but in the spirit of thoughts becoming things, we have to entertain abundant thoughts in our heads, right? Absolutely, because there is a mentality that scarcity, in other words, uh, and again, the best example would be during the Holocaust, when Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning, he discovered that those who shared their last piece of bread lived longer than the ones who hoarded their last piece of bread, which means if you're trying to protect yourself, if you're trying to make sure nobody copies your work, if you're trying to be scarce and miserly, then you have no way to expand into abundance because you're so busy trying to protect what you have, you're not reaching out to expand your potential. And that's why you have to look at the abundance that the universe creates. In fact, the Big Bang Theory proves that the world, the universe is expanding, not falling in on itself. So it's not only in delicate balance, but it's also continuing to move out. And I always look at abundance as something that I want to tap into. And I'm not trying to hoard what I have because the pharaohs realized you can't take it with you into the next life. You're only a caretaker for the material things you have. So the best thing you can do is pass on your abundance in thinking and experience. Yeah, there is certainly an energy in giving money away, isn't there? There really is. In fact, I'm trying to do that. I have a passion project with each of my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And what I'm trying to do is time it just right so that when I go to the next world, I, I will go out naked the same way I came in. So I've been taking my children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren all around the world. And I've been taking them on, on yachts that I charter, but there's no cell phone service. There's no text service or Internet. And they, they, they really have a hard time with that, but then they have to spend the time with me, and they have to look at the beautiful views, and they don't have anything to take a selfie with too much. So they're, they're having to be in it. And I remember them saying, Oh, Papa, you're the most generous man in the world to do this. And I looked him in the eye and I smiled and I said, on the contrary, I'm not generous at all. I'm spending your inheritance to be with you. <laughs> we all, That's awesome. And we, and we all laugh. So I love to. So each one of them I'm helping invest in a passion project 
that is something that they so want to do, but they can't put it on their MasterCard. It's not a car. It's not education. It's a passion project. I'm investing with them, and we're really excited, and that's what I'm using money for. It doesn't do me any good to have, but it does me good when I employ it and when I use it for something worthwhile. That's fantastic. And I know a lot of people do struggle with money. Maybe some of the reasons are those we've already talked about, the time, the types of thoughts that we tend to entertain on a day in and day out basis. But do you think there's also a worthiness issue? Sometimes people don't give themselves permission to succeed. Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the main things is that self-esteem has been all, all mixed up. People think self-esteem is pushing your way to the top being the best looking, uh, showing off, uh, showing people how far you've come. In other words, they, they believe that you don't win silver, you lose gold. So they base it all on a hierarchy of celebrity or material acquisition. And they don't believe they're as good looking, as pretty, as smart, capable. And they put a lid on the American or whatever country they're in on the dream. And that's why they become self-limiting thermometers, basing their performance on externals rather than looking at the internal diamond that only needs cut, cutting and polishing on the inside. We have more potential than we could use in a hundred lifetimes. Yeah. And yet we limit it by feeling we're not good enough. That, uh, Brian, I hate to admit it, but the psychology of winning was in my drawer for two years. And I remember thinking that the manuscript was not good enough to be published. And the manuscript spoke to me and said, oh, I'm what I am. I, I'm pretty good. I'm maybe not great, but you're not worthy of being a published author. So the reason I'm in the drawer is because you're not good enough to be an author. You're only a writer right now, but you're not an author. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that's really fascinating. So, Dennis, I want, I want to ask you, what do you think your superpower is? What do you do better than anybody else? Uh, would, would you would you repeat that? Sure. What is your superpower? What do you do better than anyone else? I think what I do better than anyone else is to uh, treat everyone the way they want to be treated so they can be at their best. In other words, I'm not superior to anyone. I'm always looking for the best in everyone I meet, and I do that very well. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know you've read a lot of books over the years. What do you think is the most influential book you've ever read? Well, obviously, the scriptures uh, has been, but I, I'd have to say when I was 12, I read As a Man Thinketh. Uh, that was very important to me. Uh, Think and Grow Rich was, was important, but not as important as, as some of the, the, the scriptures that I've read. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, my friend Stephen Covey, I like the seven habits of highly effective people. But uh, right now, I'm, I believe it or not, the thing that's influencing me is uh, life after Google, because now I'm realizing that the big data and, and the, the world of Google is going to give way to something even better within the next 10 years. And so I, what, what's encouraging me is I, I would love to live as long as I can to learn as much as I can. And therefore, that's why every book that comes out, I relish absolutely. But I'd have to say that as a man thinketh, and then, then Anne Morrill Lindbergh's book, believe it or not, Gifts of the Sea, 
She was the widow of Charles Lindbergh, and their baby was kidnapped and killed. And her book about the relationship between the human being and the sea and the seashore really got me right square in the solar plexus. It was like my own chick flick. Wow, that's fantastic. So what is the biggest risk you've ever taken in business, and did it work out? Yes, the biggest risk I ever took in business was to take my last $500 and fly to Chicago and to walk in the door and say that Earl Nightingale suggested that I stop by because he said I had a nice voice and that I had good stuff. And Nightingale Conant uh, said to me, you're no Earl Nightingale. You haven't done anything yet. What makes you think? And I said, no, no. Mr. Nightingale suggested that maybe you might be able to uh, do something. I have this idea called POW, uh, Psychology of Winning. And they said, psychology and winning? That's more like a textbook. It took me two years to risk being a fool and to think that I was good enough to have an audio album. And it worked out that they sold $100 million worth of that one album over a period of 20 years. Wow. And it was my best shot to ever become successful by risking to be foolish in the eyes of other people. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. If you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him right now? I would tell the 18-year-old version of myself to uh, don't expect a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Life is not an elevator. It is a stairway and a mountain. So keep climbing a step at a time, but there's no quick way to the top. There isn't a success app anywhere. You still have to dive deeply and really know yourself and know what you're doing in order to get at the top. It doesn't just happen. Luck will always be laboring under correct knowledge. It is not a happenstance. It's something that people work at and they put more in than they take out. Wow, that's fantastic. Is there a bucket list item that you haven't fulfilled yet? A uh, bucket list would be that uh, I haven't written children's books the way I would like to. So I'd like to be able to crawl into my great-grandchildren's head. And as I'm watching the way they learn and the way they are excited and what makes them happy, I'm trying to see if there's a possibility for me to, recre- to create my own little R2-D2, you me too some kind of avatar or some kind of little uh, robot or virtual reality way to give children a positive feeling about themselves when they're very young. That's amazing. We've got less than three minutes until the end. So here's the question I ask everyone, Dennis, who inspires and motivates you? Well, my grandmother, Mabel Ostrander, uh, came from England and uh, a proofreader. She taught me how to read. She taught me how to grow a garden, and she planted the seeds of greatness in me. She said the seeds of greatness are early ideas, early thoughts, and she said, if you're going to be successful, model yourself after people who are good servants, who are servant leaders. And I said, but Grandma, isn't getting ahead kind of beating up? Isn't that competitive? And she said, when I grow a rose, I don't need to put it into the rose show I don't need to get a blue ribbon from my rose. I just have to raise beautiful, fragrant, wonderful roses. 
in the eyes of my creator and in my own eyes. So Dennis, just do something excellent by being of service. So she has motivated me. And now, of course, I'm motivated to be a gardener who plants shade trees under which I myself will never sit. That's amazing. Final thoughts as we wind down to the end. Final thought would be, uh, you're as good as anyone who's ever been born, but no better. You're as good as the best, but no better than the rest. Given your parents and your background, you should be glad you're you. This is the best time in life to have ever been alive. It's the first time in life where all the libraries of the world are in front of your eyes in your own hand. In your own hand, you have the wisdom of the world. All you need to do is learn from people who've been there and done that and put your own creative twist on it, and you'll achieve every goal you ever and never dreamed of if you'll just believe in your dream when that's all you have to hang on to. That's fantastic. And everyone, please be on the lookout for the new updated version of The Psychology of Winning coming this summer. And Dennis, how can we get a hold of you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Well, I think, you know, just just going to my website, but you'll be pleasantly surprised there's nothing for sale there. So it's just my first name is only has one N. I was shortchanging N. So it's D-E-N-I-S-W-A-I-T-L-E-Y.com. But all I have is information there, nothing to sell. Awesome. Well, Dennis Whateley, thank you so much for being here. It was a real honor and a privilege to have you here today. Thanks so much, Brian. Only the best. Thank you, and thanks to all of you for listening to Success Profiles Radio. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they achieved, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. Until next week, have a good one, everyone. Take care of each other. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.